Hello and welcome to episode one of 2022 of the Eric and Ryan show. Uh, it's been a couple of months, I think, since our last recording, and that's mostly been because uh, we've had very little time to prepare a show, and we've also been beefing up the, the monthly writing. So apologies for that, but we're back. Our goal is to try to do 12 recordings this year, and we'll see if we're able to stick to that. Uh, the format, you know, is try, we're going to try to be a little... Uh, um, shorter format with with uh you know some general distillations of what we've been writing and we hope you find it valuable so with that um ryan why don't you tell us what today's topic is sure uh today we are going to talk about we're going to touch on our letter a little bit that we that we written that we wrote and sent out uh, well, i guess we sent out two this year um so why don't we just start there uh, the gist of the letter was effectively, uh, I think that the, the important takeaway was that there's a lot of red out there. If you go to CNBC, you see your screen. There's a lot of things that are down, you know, 50, 60%, but the stock market indices are down anywhere from three to 10% on the year. So, um, you know, it, it really just uh, sheds light on how, I don't know what the right word is, how... Um, how index construction is misleading. Um, right, unrepresentative in a way. Uh, very, um, very unrepresentative, right. And, you know, the, the chart at the top, and, and for those of you who haven't had a chance to check it out, the chart of the, uh, I believe it's the mean, median, and mode of the average stock in the in respective indices, the Russell the S&P and the NASDAQ. And what you'll see is the average stock is off some 40 to 45% from its highs, uh, whereas the indice itself or the index itself is only down 20% from its highs. So what does that mean? Uh, it means that the underbelly or things that are in an average are doing rather poorly, but uh, a few of the bigger names are holding the indices up and, and why is that important or why does it matter? And I think it it's really important to reference this with something that is completely non-related to finance and we chose a cardiologist. So if you went for right. <laughs> uh, 500 stress tests and the average uh, result of those stress tests were that you failed, um, then Arguably, you would probably no, go see your cardiologist and need some sort of procedure to address whatever the issues were with your stress test. However, if the 10 best doctors told you your heart was fine and they had some superior weighting in your mind, you might say, okay, well, then I'm good or I'm not as bad as the numbers say. However... Or basically that they were using only the results from Tuesday mornings when you were at your peak and those were the best results and you're only going to weight those because those are the only ones that matter of the 500 runs yeah, of the 500 you, you, went on, you went on 500 bike rides and then uh, on average you had uh, cardiac issues 250 times so 50 percent of your times you needed to get some sort of medical attention but you had 10 really good ones, and those are the only ones that, uh, that those are really holding up your average. Um, right, and I, I think mean? it means that 
um, for for clients, right? It doesn't mean uh, much, right? It just means that there's deception out there, um, and I think, or we think, uh, we went through very much so a, a pretty large correction for the most part, and uh, that's not to say some of the names that dropped didn't deserve it, but I think we can all agree that some didn't deserve it as well. And that's kind of where we're at with the current market seller. Yeah. So, so one thing I really want to pinpoint here is the, 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 the statistical class. The whole point of going to statistics class in college or high school was to learn about measures of central tendency. So you have a population and you add up the things that are in that population and divide by the number of things in that population, that's your average. And the average should, in theory, be representative of the population. So if you want to use people's height in a certain zip code or people's uh, age in a certain town, that's a nice way to do average. The problem with average is once you divide by the number of things in it, the in the number of things in the population, that should give you a good flavor for what the m most common trait might be. So if we were to take um, 500 stocks and divide and, and, and sum up their performance and divide by 500, you and I, Ryan, if we were throwing darts at the Wall Street Journal and they were to land, as of nine days ago when we did this study, the average stock in the S&P 500 should have been down 11 or so percent, meaning you throw a dart, it should land on something that might be down 10, that might be down 12, but on average should be down 11. But if you had actually thrown a dart, it would, be, it would likely land on a stock that was down 18 percent. And the, the NASDAQ, while worse, was a, on average was worse, um, if you threw a dart at the Wall Street Journal and it landed on a NASDAQ stock, the index was weighting some of the names that were so so heavy in the index so high that the NASDAQ composite was down around 17% about nine days ago on that worst moment in January. Yet if you had thrown a dart at the Wall Street Journal, the average stock it would land on would likely be down 46%. So average here has to do with how they weight the more important names in the index and how they underweight the less important names in the index. And the saddest You're seeing thing- You're the opposite uh, <laughs> yeah. right now. Um, right. Netflix and Facebook, sometimes Tesla, depends on, I guess, which day of the week we're in, uh, have kind of- muddied or diluted some of the performance of the NASDAQ on the way up because the earnings we've seen from Amazon, Microsoft, and Google were great. Uh, the other two weren't. Uh, and you're seeing, I'm not going to say average or lackluster, but you're just seeing diluted returns. If you just turn on your TV and see the NASDAQ up half a percent, you might say, oh, it was an okay day. But if you kind of delve into it a little bit, you're saying, wow, it was a much better day than what's being shown on, on the screen. Right. And I think the reason why we're stressing this point so much is that a 10%, so we've always said a three to 5% correction is a normal known, known risk correction, right? Healthy we just have healthy, yeah. And it's no known risks. It's the risk that, you know, we just want to take some profits, right? Then you have those unknown known events. Those are the things when 
we know something's going to happen. We just don't know the magnitude, right? Federal Reserve meetings or inflation numbers. You know, inflation's here. You just don't know the magnitude. You know, the Fed's going to meet. Are they going to raise three times or 10 times? Those are your known unknowns. And those are your corrections in our work, typically 8 to 20% on average, right? And then you have the 20 and up corrections, what I call the unknown unknowns, what, what Donald Rumsfeld would call uh, the unknown unknown risks out there. And, and in my estimation, if you have an average stock in the NASDAQ down 50%, you, have, you don't have a correction. You don't have a known known correction or an unknown known correction. You don't even have an unknown unknown correction. You have, you have a crash on your hands. That's, that's a, a plummeting. And so when when we get into corrections like this, Ryan and I are always asking the question. You can all hear that Ryan is now in our new New York City office with the ambulances in the background. Um, so so that's a new change for our uh, our podcast. But you know when we're in corrections like this, fifty percent, we then ask the question: Does it deserve to be down fifty percent? Are we in those unknown unknown situations? And so what our estimation of what you saw in January. It was not so much that we all have this new set of risks to um, to deal with. It's more so that we were wringing out a lot of excesses that occurred in 2021. And so we still think that the situation and the setup for 2022 is actually quite good, especially now that we got a shellacking out of the way very quickly. You know, right. did DocuSign, just lastly, did DocuSign deserve to trade um, at 200, what was it? A hundred and something times it's, it's EBITDA, or did it need to get cut in half for it to be at a more reasonable valuation? We were on the phone with DocuSign last summer and they told us their market cap was 50 billion and their addressable opportunities was 50 billion. Well, that sounded expensive to us. So we, we passed on it. Um, but we still wanted to watch it and we, 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 we kept an eye on it. And in general, um, now it's a lot cheaper. It's been cut by two thirds. So I guess our point is, if you have an average stock declining 50%, that's a crash. And if that crash is in, 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 in conjunction with a economy and a market that doesn't deserve that, now you have what we would call a good opportunity. And I think let's just circle back to portfolio uh, management, what you're supposed to do in these times. So you mentioned a couple different things in the in the three to five percent pullbacks. What do you do? Well, you add a name or two that you've been looking at and, and you like and you think is is a good uh, risk return or represents a good risk return. In the eight to you know, twenty bucket. What do you do? Well, sometimes you can uh, again add add to some positions that you might have wished you bought more of. You can. Uh, maybe buy a name or two that, again, that you like, that you looked at. And then, you know, obviously in the bigger ones, the crashes, what do you do? Well, one to two times every couple of years, the market gives you a really nice opportunity to buy names that just have not corrected in those other two buckets, right? So the three to 5%, these names are not down as much or they're not as attractive, right? Um, in the eight to twenties, again, they're still kind of holding up a little bit better. They're still just not there yet. And then the big ones, uh, you get a chance to really step into some things that you might have had your eyes on for I mean, two, three, four, five years. And 
in the case, you know, we bought a little bit of Microsoft. I, I remember looking at Microsoft years ago, um, just waiting and waiting and waiting. And I think finally we got a chance. And yeah, we missed out on some return over the last two or three years in the name, but also at the same time, we were happy to buy it when we did. Uh, so in terms of portfolio management in those times, that's, that's kind of how we think about it. You might say, well, what about rushing for the door and sell and selling some stock and trying to avoid or mitigate the outflow? Well, I guess it's two things. One, the outflow already happened or the drawdown already happened. The market is down, right? So we can't sell um, just because there's red on the screen. We call it repricing. Temporary repricing does not mean sell. Um, when you sign up to be a stock market investor, you sign up for volatility. Uh, so. We know that timing the market is impossible, or I should say, I shouldn't say impossible. Some people, some people have done it. We know that it is harder than than it sounds. Um, we know that over the long run, there's only one asset class that has gone up and to the right, and we know that um, so long as our conviction is there in each of the companies, we're comfortable holding these names, regardless of what. The market values them at on a day-to-day -day basis. Remember, we're not buying things because we think it's $200 today and it could be $210 next week. Uh, and we're not selling things because we bought it at $200 today and it's $190. So a couple things just to wrap a bow on, on the averages and the indices and what we're seeing. One, we need to be patient. Two, we can upgrade our portfolio if weakness continues. And three, we have to stay invested because timing the market is hard and we believe in most of these names or all of these names long term. We're talking three to five year uh, periods or horizons. And when I think about the greatest investors, we did a, quite a nice tour last year of all of our favorite investors, some we've heard of and some we had discovered, but they all seem to have one trait or, or, or one thing in common when, when it comes to success. And it really wasn't that they bought things well. Now, that was part of it. It wasn't that they sold things well. In fact, selling, I think, is the is the hardest art form. And there's quite a bit in our letter about um, when is the right time to sell. But everyone kind of shared the same thing. It, it, the success came from the waiting, the buying, the waiting, and then getting to some sort of termination value where, you know, you look back and say, wow, that doubled, that tripled, that quadrupled, that quintupled, that just doubled, right? And so I think when when you think about moments like January, the the savvy and the 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 ones that will be successful are the ones that didn't panic. Um, you know, we, we have this refrain when we get bad markets. I always say it, you know, the first two words on the inside cover of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy are don't panic. Very good words to live by because it doesn't solve any problems. Panicking doesn't solve any problems. If you panicked on that Monday morning when we were down a thousand points and it looked like we were heading over a cliff, all you had to do was say, well, why are we panicking? What, 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 what is the news story today? And the only thing I could come up with was we had a calendar turn. There was no new news that January 18th or whatever day that was. There was literally no new news. And so we, panicking doesn't doesn't solve anything. But Ryan, I want to say we had a record number of panics on that Monday morning when the Dow was down 1,100. Um, I spoke to a few of you that day, and I had said this feels like capitulation. And sure enough, that day turned out to be the only day in Dow history to recover a four-digit point loss and turn positive for the day. 
whether or not that was a bottom, Ryan and I could care less. But the point I think we're trying to make here is that this does not have the makings of where we were two years ago at this time. Uh, I think if we were to does not have to go down. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, right. I think that uh, just one last point. Um, you know, we've been saying for a few times, and maybe we're a little bit early uh, on the first few times we've said this, but we've said that selection is going to matter, right? And um, I think we were generally wrong for the last uh, couple of years, right? We've had some good selections. We've had some bad selections, but overall the market has done well. Um, I think the most recent earnings, the five names that I mentioned, Netflix, Facebook, Amazon, uh, Apple, and Microsoft, uh, five names, right? Is that five, Eric? Yep. So those of those five, three were great and two were poor. Uh, and you saw 20%. I think Facebook, uh, sorry, Netflix fell 20% maybe from yep. uh, on the day of it, after its earnings and Facebook fell, I want to say 30%. Yep. Um, whereas Amazon on the day Facebook came out, they were down 7% and on the day they announced earnings, they were up 12%. Um, Apple was down, I think, 9% uh, during the market sell-off and now they're flat on the year. Google, same thing, down about 9%. Now on the year, they're down 3%. Two or what three. does that mean? It just means that um, maybe the, the rising tide doesn't lift all boats and buying the companies that you think are going to do best or find the companies with the best balance sheet, find the companies with the best pricing power is, is finally going to matter. And for us and for you guys, that's a good thing. Um, it's good when you know your investment manager is out there not just buying the indices, but making sure what they're buying is quality. Yep. Yep, exactly. I, and I, I think, you know, if we were to survey everyone listening, all three of you, um, whether or not you'd rather be in a correction like the COVID correction of March, let's just think about that moment. Where, where were we, when we were there, what didn't we know? Well, we didn't know what shutting down the entire global economy was. We didn't even know in New York what shutting down the transit system would be like, let alone the school system, let alone every single shop other than food and beverage, right? We didn't know. So you had tremendous amount of unknown unknowns around a government-imposed shutdown. You didn't know mortality rates on uh, on the virus. You didn't know if you could get it from not washing your hands and touching your face or breathing something in indoors. We didn't know. We just knew that there was a pandemic here and we were going to shut everything down. We didn't know what working from home would look like. We didn't know when there would be a vaccine. If ever, we were hearing from Fauci that it took a minimum of four years to get a measles vaccine. We didn't know that M if mRNA would be safe. We didn't know if this would mutate and cause massive problems. We just, we had nothing. Here you are two years later and we're worried about interest rates. I mean, I think I've been saying for two years, I'd rather be worried about interest rates and inflation than be worried about whether or not the mortality on a pandemic virus is 1% or 60%. Um, so with that, I think it's an important thing to just have a little perspective you get a 50% correction in an environment like this, it's much less question marks. We have, if you go back, if you were with us in March of 2020, I kept saying, I have no playbook for this. I've never been through a pandemic. 
None of my older bosses have ever been through a pandemic. None of my peers on Wall Street have ever been through a pandemic. There was only one guy who was writing about the pandemic of 1918 who was trying to draw a parallel, and even that was wildly off. So what would we rather have, Ryan? We'd rather have this environment where we have a playbook for a Fed tightening cycle and an inflation story, or do we want to be in March of 2020? Compare that to the drop. The drop was worse in January. Okay. So with all that said, I think we're, we're sort of striking a tone of optimism, but that's because I think this was a nice little reminder that you don't get free risk. You don't get free return. Return comes with some risk. And now you're in a very unique position to take advantage of it. We are speaking to you now during a very nice little rally we've had over a few days, but there's still very impressive valuations that I think we can, we can start to pursue here and, and pick up for many of you. Again, the broad disclaimer is we run different strategies for all of you, but everything everything we're saying applies to whatever strategy we might be running for you yeah and i think that uh for you get for the listeners uh, psychologically i know all red feels the same but just know that to eric's point um you know there are we've been through this before there's plenty of studies on the, on these type of environments uh, earnings have been i would say great with the exception of a few companies and those companies are rightfully being sold off. And uh, I think uh, that goes the same for our portfolios. I think that's a good place to stop. We wanted to, um, anything else you wanted to mention, but I think, I think, think, um, you know, if you have any topics you'd like us to address uh, questions at pinnacle hyphen NY, like newyork.com, we're happy to take them. We're happy to, uh, to hear or duo or speak about anything that's on your mind. We want this to be a little more uh, inclusive of your thoughts. So please feel free to give us uh, any questions you might have. Um, We'll be detailing businesses throughout the year, doing quick updates like this. Anything else? Nope. Uh, Not financial advice. Do your own research, right? Or allow us to do your own research and, uh, I'm going to do the spoken disclaimer, and we look forward to working with you all in 2022. The investment commentary is limited to the dissemination of information pertaining to Pinnacle Associates Limited and general economic market conditions. Nothing contained herein should be construed as personalized advice or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell securities. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and there's no guarantee that the views and opinions expressed in this commentary will come to pass. Pinnacle is neither a law firm nor an accounting firm, and no portion of this commentary should be construed as legal or tax advice. You're advised to consult with separate legal or tax advisors with respect to any legal or tax advice. Pinnacle is an investment advisor registered with the SEC. For more information pertaining to the registration status of Pinnacle. Please refer to the Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website at www.advisorinfo.sec.gov. For additional information about Pinnacle, including fees and services, you can request our written disclosure statement as set forth in Form ADV Part 2A. Thanks, Ryan. I'll talk to you all soon. All right, everyone.